This is Monocle on Design, a show where we unpack everything from architecture and craft to furniture and fashion. I'm Nick Manise. On today's show, it's the Fashion Awards special. We chat to the British Fashion Council's Communications Director, Clara Mercer, talk to Julie Liu, the designer behind this year's award, and talk to two local designers who are building on their family legacy. All that coming up on Monocle on Design. Welcome to today's show, and I am absolutely ecstatic to have Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi, in the studio with me. Natalie, welcome. Thank you. I'm equally ecstatic to be here. Brilliant. I mean, we're desk buddies, we're sparring partners on Monocle on Design, and you are going to give us a rundown of the Fashion Awards, which took place yesterday. I've heard a little bit of the goings-on, but maybe maybe if you can give us some background on, on what this event is, that would be sensational for me. Exactly. So this is a big fashion industry event that kind of ends the year. It's organized by the British Fashion Council, but uh, and it started as um, being known as the British Fashion Awards, celebrating local designers mainly, but it has since evolved into this large-scale event at the Royal Albert Hall. It takes place every December. It kickstarts the festive season for the fashion industry. And it's a, it's just a great get together for everyone. Designers from all over the world fly in for it. And it's an opportunity to recognize achievements of the year and the most important talent from very established names who have had long, incredible careers. Like this year, Valentino Garavani was honored. But at the same time, there's also the stage. A lot of attention is given to the young up-and-coming names, especially in London, who are kind of the, the next generation and the future of the industry. So there's that fundraising component, but I guess I'm also curious about the actual awards side of things. What sort of categories were announced last night? Yeah, what's what's the scope of it and what, what is it really looking, I guess, to, to push or to champion? So you have a real breadth of uh, different categories and awards. So you get special recognition awards. This year, there were people like Edward Enninful, Alexander McQueen, Sarah Burton, who's ending her tenure at the house, Valentino Garavani, like I mentioned. There's categories like designer of the years where you'll find more established brands being honored to young designer of the year, accessories designers. You really, they really try to uh, include every aspect of the of the industry and there is another important initiative called New Wave which uh, recognizes photographers stylists makeup artists from across the board and tries to also connect them and create a community where these people get to meet and collaborate and and get together as part of the awards. You know, you talk about people there supporting young designers, obviously through the awards itself, but the the British Fashion Council, who did organise this event, also, I guess, support the industry and and young emerging designers more broadly. You spoke to their communications director, Clara Mercer, prior to the event. I mean, Tell us a little bit about her work and and what we can expect from this discussion with her. Clara has been a really pivotal part of, I mean, the work that the British Fashion Council is doing and especially with the Fashion Awards. She's been running the event for years and saw it from being a a small local event to the large-scale global event that it is now. And she speaks to us about the evolution of of the event and also uh, shares the British Fashion Council's point of view about its importance, about how they want to 
to highlight the industry's economic contributions to to the UK economy, but also it's, it's such an important contributor to to culture and design and how just generally London is is this incredible hub for young talent and for the creative directors that go on to run some of the most important fashion houses in the world. Amazing. Well, let's hear from Clara Mercer, Communications Director of the British Fashion Council now. The Fashion Awards is something that has been core to the British Fashion Council strategy For a long time, it started many years ago as the British Fashion Awards and then evolved with Natalie Massonet to become the Fashion Awards. And it celebrates the role of the UK in the global fashion economy as the place where the best talent in the world comes from. Um, And it raises money for the BFC Foundation charity, which is essential to the work that we do in terms of supporting young emerging talent from scholarships through to new gen and the Vogue Designer Fashion Funds that we run every year. Um, And so the scale of it has grown and grown and grown. um, And it's such a privilege to host it in London, where lots of brands come from all over the world um, to the Royal Albert Hall uh, and sit side by side um, and help us fundraise for the charity while we also celebrate excellence in the year that has just been. Tell me a little bit about the Special Recognition Awards of of this year. It's sort of really exciting names from Edward Eninful to Valentino Garavani. So how are those choices made and and why did you choose to celebrate these creatives there in 2023? And so there is a big voting process that goes into making the awards happen. So there's a voting panel and we have our press committee um, and there's a voting process that goes into deciding the awards more generally. There's a long list of people that we um, want to honour over the years. And each year we select a few special recognition awards to really spotlight individuals that have had amazing careers and it gives us an opportunity to shine a light on some of the bigger themes in fashion. So one of the special recognition awards that we're very excited to celebrate this year is for Sarah Burton, who has had the most amazing career at Alexander McQueen, supporting him at the beginning and then as creative director after that. And the role that she's played in craftsmanship um, and consistently delivering amazing creative for McQueen is something that we're very excited to celebrate. Amazing. Given that it is the end of her tenure, it's a perfect moment to to celebrate her. Yeah. Mr. Valentino is somebody that we've wanted to honour for a very long time and we're really excited that we'll be able to do that with the Outstanding Achievement Award this year at the Fashion Awards. Edward Enenfull is sort of ending his tenure at Vogue um, and it's sort of celebrating the difference that he's made to fashion globally from a reputational perspective and changing the way that we all look at fashion and certainly in the world of publishing so we're excited to honour him and then Sarah Moa who is our ambassador for emerging talent she has been very instrumental in our year of celebrating new gen and we've just launched an exhibition at the design museum which we launched in september where it looks at that journey about new gen and designers from around the world over 30 years and how london has been the place where all of those people have come together to learn their craft as young creatives so we're very excited to celebrate her legacy as well the fashion awards also celebrates the role of fashion at the intersection of culture and so this year we've Uh, introduced a new award called the Cultural Innovator Award, which we will be giving to Sam Smith. Amazing. And is that quite a a renewed focus for you to really highlight 
fashion's contribution, whether it's to culture, to the global economy, to all these other kind of strands of, of, of the industry. We talk a lot about the role that fashion plays at the intersection of culture and the reason that we're introducing that as something more official into the awards is so that um, we're able to tell that story more succinctly to the people in the room and to the broader community outside the awards. So the role that people like Sam Smith play in taking fashion to people and their fans is really important to us. It's because they are so brilliant at wearing and bringing to life young designers. So they don't just wear the kind of established brands. They also give amazing platforms to young talent when they're on tour and when they're performing. Yeah, some incredible names and, and very well-deserved recognition. Um, having been to the awards, I also find that you do a great job at summing up the year and then picking out broader themes as well that have come to define the fashion industry. Are there any themes that you want to highlight for 2023 and also looking ahead into the new year for at, at this year's event? So this year's Fashion Awards, we've really thought about what it is to be an independent thinker, an independent dresser, and this idea of fashion as a way to express yourself. And we will use those themes as we go into next year when we start to celebrate 40 years of London Fashion Week. And I think it's the role that fashion plays at the intersection of culture, the way that it is able to allow individuals to express themselves and encourage people to be themselves and using it as a, you know, as a way to rebel and to innovate and make change and how it's always at the kind of the forefront of what's next. So some of those themes come up on the night, which is exciting. And so next year in 2024, uh, we will be very focused on celebrating London Fashion Week as the big cultural event that takes place in London in February, June and September. And we specifically want to focus on the brilliant community that sits around the fashion industry, the creatives that help to enable designers, the designers that sit up at the heart of that. Um, so that community is something that we really want to focus on. We're very focused on the role that fashion plays in culture. So um, the impact that events like Fashion Week have on the capital and on the UK as a whole culturally, and also creativity. It's the thing that we are best known for here in the UK. And the 40th anniversary is a really good excuse to kind of spotlight why the UK consistently delivers amazing creative talent over the years, over the legacy of that 40 years and into the future, really. So it's setting us up for what the next 40 years are like and what they're going to be. And I guess putting a spotlight on the fact that creativity is our superpower. That was Clara Mercer, Communications Director of the British Fashion Council, in conversation with Natalie Theodosi, Monocle's fashion editor, who's still in the studio with me. I mean, I want to ask now, so we've, we've kind of heard a little bit about the event from Clara there and, and its significance. But I want to also ask, obviously, if you take home a gong, you know, for the, for the people that won awards last night, they've got a physical thing that they actually go home with, which is quite nice. I imagine that sits on the shelf maybe in, in the back of a Zoom call if you're, if you're dialing in from somewhere. But I want to hear about the actual design of the trophy and I guess the, the significance behind it. This was like a nice little way for you to segue into product design from the fashion world. Tell us about the gong. So we always love to talk about how fashion and design are always crossover and, and it's our two different worlds that often kind of cross paths. And I think Julie Liu is a great example of it. She was part of the new wave creatives from last year. And uh, it, I think it was quite interesting because her background is in styling. 
but she kind of uh, ventured away a little bit and experimented with, with product design, working with glass blowers in, in Leicester to create um, the award, which, which is really beautifully made uh, by local artisans. It sounds like she's, I guess her work is sort of embodying the ethos of the work that the council is trying to do and these awards are trying to do. It's about quality, it's about connecting with makers uh, and really, I guess, celebrating good design. Exactly. And it shows how young creatives operate these days a little bit. They're breaking the rules and and really experimenting across different sectors and categories rather than fitting themselves into one single box. Brilliant. Let's hear from the stylist and art director, Julie Liu, now. My work is very quirky. It's very bold in its own ways. I'm very colourful, so very sensitive to colour coming from my arts background. I do a lot of fine arts on my own growing up. Design the Trophy this year has been one of the most interesting projects I've ever taken and it helped me on to be very real. Yeah, I've learned so much. There's the whole process of doing a trophy, um, getting it across, getting the idea across, choosing materials, doing trial and error. It happened a lot and um, at the end of the day, I think The biggest takeaway is the British Fashion Council was just so emphasizing on the idea of my vision getting across. The initial idea, so how we came up to it is like having been able to just come up with mood boards and concepts constantly for clients, for, I don't know, magazines and partners. This is something that's very common for me, but then this was one of the projects where I could come up with anything and I want it to be representative of myself. And so I'm like, but what do I do if I could do anything in the world? What do I do? And something that stuck with me is like, okay, I got to bring my childhood out. And I just remembered of this cartoon that is so unpopular in my days, apparently, called Dragon Tales by PBS Kids. It's American. It was played in Canada. Yeah, the the whole story is just two kids just starting every episode in their own rooms and then getting a secret box out of a closet or something. And um, in the box, there's a stone. They take the stone and they say a spell. I wish, I wish with all my heart uh, to fly with dragons in a land apart. And then they get into this magical dragon land. And that's where the episode begins. And that's when they get into themselves and they're happy. And so I wanted to create something uh, similar to that rock of like something that marks where your creativity thrives, where, where there's freedom, there's creativity. And so I wanted to mark that out. We wanted to look for something that was reflective of a lot of lighting. We wanted to choose something that was also very um, transparent-like because I thought that was very vulnerable and that was very... It could get a lot of different angles and lights depending on how you see it every single time. So uh, that was super interesting. We chose to work with glass. So we found out about the world of glass, which is a museum in Liverpool. And they have these amazing glass blowers in the house. 
just yeah they do demonstrations they make glasses and they were willing to take on this project with us so we started working with them trial and error colors shapes textures the thing that i was interested in most is a broken glass kind of technique and when i presented it to them the first thing they said was this is actually what we want to avoid most as glass makers is to have glass broken but you want this broken are you sure you want to do this <laughs> and i'm like yes obviously i acknowledge i'm not a glass maker but it would be amazing if we can do something like that and they agreed the biggest takeaway is the british fashion council was just so emphasizing on the idea of my vision getting across and the question they asked the most whenever we were doing trial and error is is this your vision is this your idea and like don't forget you wanted this in the beginning so do you think that's met and i love that i had a space to be able to do that they gave a space for a creative to do what they want or have that idea across in order to honor other winners and creatives uh, for the award and so it's a true honor it's a true blessing to be able to do this That was the stylist and art director, Julie Liu. She designed the Fashion Awards trophy uh, for this year. I mean, what I'm enjoying about this show so far, Natalie, if I can be, you know, navel-gazy, is the, is the fact that we've we've kind of got, you know, the big hitter from the council. We've got the, the designer of the award. But I, I guess the thing that feels like is missing are some actual designers or some people behind a brand. I know you've teed something up. That's very true, but we wouldn't miss out on that. And we have a great interview to to wrap it all up, which is Charlie and Alice Casely Hayford. Charlie is a designer, an amazing tailor whose shop is right next to Midori House on Chiltern Street. And they were picking up an award for their late father, Joe Casely Hayford, who was again one of the most incredible tailors on Savile Row and uh, who worked with Charlie on their eponymous Casely Hayford brand as well and has left an incredible legacy around British tailoring. But also uh, he was a big supporter of Young Talent. And, and this award is also, it also starts a, a new initiative, which is um, a grant for, for MA students given to people from... Uh, black or mixed heritage backgrounds. I mean, they sound like the perfect people to be sponsoring an award for, for young designers, given how much, as you say, they've sort of pushed boundaries. So let's hear from Alice and Charlie Casely Hayford now. We're delighted that our father is the recipient of the Special Recognition Award at this year's Fashion Awards. It's sort of bittersweet because obviously he's not here to accept it, but my wonderful brother will be going up on stage to receive it. But I think it's just my family and I are delighted that his amazing talents and his amazing contribution to the fashion industry and British culture and the world beyond um, is being recognised at such an important, prestigious event. Absolutely. And was it important for you to also make sure that there was this uh, grant and, and you're supporting fashion students and education as part of it? Very much so. I mean, it's been an amazing collaboration with the BFC and it's an initiative that I think it's been spearheaded by the exhibition The Missing Thread and Bold, who are the creators of the exhibition. It's something they've really been pushing for and so we kind of couldn't be happier with the outcome, really. 
Tell me a little bit about the process for this year's you reviewed student applications and, and picked the winner. What was the kind of response that you you got from from applicants and, and the talent that that you worked with? Well, I think it was a wonderful experience to meet these incredibly talented students. Um, I think one thing that has been has become abundantly clear to us, and it was certainly we were aware of it when Dad was alive, but even more so since he's died, is how much of a mentor and a quiet supporter he was of emerging talent. So this scholarship couldn't feel more special and more relevant to carrying on his legacy because it was something that he did so much throughout his career. So I think for me, being part of the judging panel uh, this year, it was really important to kind of look through the eyes of Joe and not be skewed by my own opinions and think of what, uh, who my dad would want um, to see rewarded. And it was really challenging because they were all so brilliant. Um, but we had, yeah, an amazing lineup of panellists and it was just a really wonderful day to get to meet these really brilliant people and hear their creative vision. I also wanted to talk a little bit broader about fashion education because I think it's, it's so important what you're doing with, with the grant. How do you see the state of... of fashion education at the moment and the challenges that students are facing having gone through this experience and, and spoken to to the applicants for for the Joe Casely Hayford uh, mentorship and grant? Well I just feel like the barrier to entry is becoming more and more extreme and I think sadly in a sense it kind of welcomes privilege because it's very hard to succeed in the industry without financial support from those around you or a helping hand from an industry network. You know, most people don't have that. That's why this feels so essential. We kind of couldn't be happier to be supporting it as a family. Absolutely. And I think it's important that we highlight that you've chosen to support students from black or mixed heritage backgrounds. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Very difficult for even Alice and I growing up um, in a household with where both of our parents are designers to understand how difficult it must have been for them to succeed in the way that they did you know, in, in, in the 80s. There was literally you know, no one else around and they were creating their own path. And The challenges are very much still there and for us it feels like there are voices that need to be heard, that you know, the, the door feels closed and we're trying our, our best to help to you know, not necessarily push it open but at least provide a platform that, that helps to, to do that. So, yeah, it feels integral to creating a, a space where, I guess, the industry is reflective or, or more reflective of the broader spectrums of society. A lot of progress has been made, thankfully, within the industry. But by its very nature, fashion is still incredibly elitist and exclusive. So we've just all got to work incredibly hard and it it's not even something that we think about. It's just innate because it's what our parents have always done. And it's so important to us as black creatives um, and as members of the fashion industry who have relative power, but also responsibility. So, yeah, it means an incredible deal to us. Absolutely. And shall we talk a little bit also about the missing thread, which coincides with, with this award? What are some of the themes that have come out of that exhibition? And I mean, your incredible archives are, are on display as well. So tell us a little bit more about that. The missing thread is an exhibition at Somerset House that's been curated by Bold Agency. And what they've done, it just feels so needed 
it's a kind of wonderful, rich tapestry of untold stories of black culture with a, a real focus on, on the fashion industry. And I think for me personally, you know, every time I go around, what's so wonderful is I, I see something new, experience something new, and it's not a singular story. It talks about the multiple dimensions of black culture, and I think well, very much so when our dad was coming up in the 80s, there was this idea and pressure that that was a singular story and it was monolithic and mm. I think this goes very far in kind of breaking down those barriers and um, it's also the first time that we really unearthed our old man's archive and our mum did the whole thing and it was quite an amazing experience and I hope everyone kind of feels the same when they enter that room. Yeah, it must have been amazing to rediscover or maybe even see pieces for the first time when you were going through that archive and and experiencing it all at Somerset House. We were both obviously very familiar with a lot of the pieces, but to see it all come together and that final response, because we'd both been involved in the process, but obviously the installation and the final exhibition comes together very last minute. So when you walk into that room and you don't really have a moment to process because hundreds of people are there beside you at the private view, <laughs> it was a very personal and intimate emotional moment that was kind of being witnessed by a whole room full of people that was quite strange, but also incredible to see the response and the continued response. And for me, what's been more special is when I've gone back to the exhibition just on a normal weekday or on a Sunday at a quieter time and see, seeing people who aren't necessarily part of the industry experiencing the exhibition and being so moved by it. They've paid you know, their own money to come and see this and it is just so wonderful to see not only the diverse range of people that have come in to see it but just how moved they are. And obviously as my brother said it's about untold stories but my god these stories these stories have needed to be told for such a long time so to see them being enjoyed and continued to be told is really wonderful and people will go home and shout about it and that's really exciting or share it on social and that's been really wonderful to watch. Absolutely and I think it really highlights what you were talking about your dad's incredible career both I mean he's had such an impact on fashion but on, on culture in general and I just wanted to ask you when you think about it his legacy maybe for someone who might be a little bit less familiar with his work how would you want him to be remembered and yeah how would you dis describe it it's a big question but because there's so much <laughs> yeah this is a difficult question he always thought of himself as an outsider looking in. I don't know if that was a space he chose for himself willingly or because he was forced into it, but it created these really a lot of friction in his work. And his ideas weren't singular. They were really layered and a comment on the kind of stratification of British society. And he was interested in both high and low and street culture and you know Savile Row tailoring and he was able to kind of oscillate between the the worlds seamlessly and it not feel contrived and I think he he was so great at executing this wonderful idea of what British culture is I know I keep using the word singular but I think that is reflective of what the missing thread is doing and also what our dad's 
career was really about. Oh, it's incredibly inspiring. And I mean, I think you can really feel the, the joy and the energy when, when you speak about him. And I mm. think it's, it's a story that we can learn so much from and we should keep revisiting. I mean, whether you work in fashion or, or beyond. Mm. And just sort of uh, on a more general note to, to wrap this up, we're looking ahead into the new year. We've, I mean, we've had some of these conversations now, but I think it's been happening in the industry in general about... <coughs> a lot of important changes that need to happen and the progress that we need to keep making. Where would you like to see the industry go in, in 2024 and what sort of what you think should be the priorities when, when you look ahead? For me, sustainability needs to be prioritised within the industry in a way. It should have been 10 years ago and the changes aren't happening rapidly enough. I also think there's been a massive stagnance in terms of diversity. You know, 2020, 21 post Black Lives Matter, there was a call to action and people pretended to be galvanised, but it's really actually regressed and that's incredibly frustrating. A, as just someone within the industry, but obviously as a black woman as well. So there needs to be an urgent change within diversifying the industry and making it more accessible. And I think also, just to carry on for Manis, through, throughout the various stratas of the industry as well, because I think what happens quite often is you see these changes happen in areas where it's public-facing, which feels like, or see, you know, appears to be like a, a quick fix. And really it needs to be at the grassroots, and that's why we couldn't really be happier with being part of this initiative with the BFC, because it's going to make a change that will move through the industry. Mm. And it needs to be grassroots, but it also needs to be C-suite and exec yes, level. Sorry, so hopefully <laughs> those people at the bottom who we're supporting now will one day be the yeah, chiefs exactly. and executives. And that's only really when the true change will happen. So we've, we're a way off because unfortunately it's still white men in suits at the top of most luxury fashion houses and the biggest brands and corporations in the world. But I really do believe that change will happen even if we have to break down the doors, but we're getting there. That was Alice and Charlie Casely Hayford. Natalie, thank you so much for joining me in the studio. That's all we've got for today's show. For more design stories, listen to our five-minute midweek bonus show, Monocle on Design Extra, which airs on Thursdays. And if you enjoy print, then do pick up a copy of Monocle magazine as well. Natalie, quickly, the December issue, December-January issue is on newsstands. Have you got a favourite story from that? I have, and selfishly, it is a fashion story that I edited. We are looking at soft power across the issue, and I loved uh, speaking to three Ukrainian designers who had to leave Ukraine since the war, and they spoke to us about displacement and fashion soft power and how they've been growing their businesses despite everything that they've had to go through. And I think it's a really inspiring story. I'm sure the design section has a few Great uh, stories to read too. Yeah, I mean, we've got a we've got a brilliant story on the Finnish timber industry, uh, which I think is illuminating, and and how a country that is built in a forest essentially is is dealing with, I guess, deforestation and 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 the potential for timber resources to run out. So we've got you know there's there's inspiration coming from you and some some business and design coming from a really me. Really great mix. I, no? I think so. So that's Monocle's December January issue. It's on all good newsstands now. Uh, and today's Monocle on Design episode was produced and edited by Maylee Evans and Steph Chungu. I'm Nick Manise, and you can reach me on nm at monocle.com. Thanks for listening.